0: Promotion comes from God. It transforms, it elevates our lives in a multitude of ways, in so many ways. You know, we're going to look this morning a little bit, we're going to look at an Old Testament individual, Joseph. We're all familiar with the story of Joseph. We're familiar with the fact that his his brothers, his family didn't understand the dream that was in his heart. You know the story how he was sold into slavery. And, but in Potiphar's house, where he functioned as a slave, he was elevated, he was promoted uh, to where people said he could never be. Even when he was in prison, he was elevated, he was, he was promoted It was God who did that. We know the story of Joseph, how he became the second most powerful man, really, in the world at that time. Technically, he was the most powerful man in the world. But title-wise, he was second in command to Pharaoh. And it was because of God. You know, I, I think about the seniors today and, and uh, how today is it, it's just a little ceremony that you go through. But it's life-changing. And when we put our trust in him, he's the one that brings promotion into our life. I was looking at my calendar the other day as I was seeing what was taking place knowing that graduation was going to be coming up and so forth and uh, I realized almost to the day 39 years ago I graduated from Christian Outreach School of Ministry just a padunk little school in Goldman, Missouri that hardly anybody outside of Goldman, Missouri had ever heard of which I closed down, the school isn't even in operation today. But I was thinking about how that totally changed my life. Even though I went through school, I still wasn't qualified for anything. But anything that I've experienced in my life is a direct result since then of the promotion of God. And I think of the the seniors. You know, of course, there's one in particular I can't help but think of, and I just won't look over there right now. (laughs) I'll just look over here and talk to you, Terry, right now, if that's okay. (laughs) But, you know, talented, gifted as, as our seniors are, very smart intellectually, something I totally cannot identify with at all. Gifted in so many ways. But you know, as they keep their humility, and they keep their faith, the Bible says that we go above and beyond what we could ever ask, dream, or think. But you know, if if I can do that, if Emma can do that in her own strength and ability... Then it isn't above what you could ever think, dream, or imagine. But as she and the other graduates put their confidence and put their trust and keep it in the Lord Jesus Christ, there are, there are no limitations upon their life. What they can achieve for the kingdom and for the glory of God is above and beyond anything that they could ever drink, dream, think, or imagine. You know, I can't help but think of my other granddaughter that's one of the other. Bella's my granddaughter, too. But she hasn't graduated and not going to for a few years. We're, and we're not talking about that right now. But uh, Maddie, going to Oral Roberts, and a while back, we were just visiting. You know, she's going to be a nurse. And uh, said something to her. I know her, her dream may have changed by now. It's probably bigger than this now. <clears throat> but you know, what is ultimately you want to do? And she said, well, I really want to go to a third world country and start a hospital. I don't know about you, that's above and beyond what I could think, dream, or imagine. Well, partly because I'd kill everybody that came to the hospital, but. <laughs> but see, that's what God wants to work in each and every one of us. He wants to take our dreams beyond what we could ever imagine it being. But you know, the thing about it is that when, when he gives us that dream and it's so big, everybody else thinks we're wacko. It's it's right in step with God. What was it that got Joseph in so much trouble? It was that he had this dream, these dreams from God, and, and nobody else could comprehend it. Nobody else could understand it because it was beyond that. It was beyond what their little pea brains could Grasp. But God wants us to have that kind of, not imagination, but openness to the Spirit of God so that He puts things in us that are beyond what we could ever think, what we could ever dream, what we could ever imagine. And you know, our limitations come because of adam and eve because of the fall took away that which was available to us but you know what through jesus christ it's been opened up to us once again to each and every one of us you know joseph experienced supernatural promotion it wasn't because he was qualified he is a slave he is in prison we get promoted to the position that he was in, you can't convince me that's not, that that's not supernatural. You know, a few weeks ago, we were, we were up at uh, I guess a month ago or so now, we went up to see my mom and, and we went, Pastor Becky and I went up early and we stopped in Clear Lake to see uh, Pastors Dave and Chris Toyne and then we went up to uh, Lake Elmo, or wherever it is, up in Minnesota. And we saw uh, Dan and Claudia Denison, who he we went to school with. And, you know, I'd been a plumber for 12 years before I went into the ministry. And Dan had been a bricklayer for 25 years before he had gone into the ministry. And so in, in our class, there were college graduates. There, there, I mean, there were people that were really, they were smart. And they're educated and so forth. And... Then there was Dan and me. The bricklayer and the plumber. And, uh, you know, but I look at that class that we came out of. And as far as I know, Dan and I are the only two that continued in the ministry. And I made this statement to him. I said, we were the two most least likely. But, you know, we were so least likely, we had to depend upon him. You know, there's something about being in a place where if God doesn't do it, it can't be done. You know, the truth of the matter is, all of us are supposed to be in that place. All of us are in a place where the, the, the dream, the vision... Is so big that it's an absolute impossibility for me to do it. If God doesn't promote me, if God doesn't promote it, it's not going to be done. But guess what? He wants to do it. He wants to be that God in our life that brings about the promotion. I want Emma, and I hope the other seniors get this, that their reliance upon God is not a weakness. It's a strength. And because of that strength, God is able to take us places where we would have never imagined being able to go. And so he wants to do that supernatural work in us if we'll only allow ourselves, if we'll keep ourselves humble to where we trust in him. Listen to this. This is when Joseph was in prison. And uh, it says concerning him in Genesis 39 and the 21st verse, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Hallelujah. He's with you. He's with each and every one of us. And the exciting thing is, is he's promised he's not going to ever leave us or forsake us. But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You and I, we have favor. You ever say I have favor. I have. But it's not because you're so great, it's because he's so great. It's because he's showing you mercy. Because of his mercy, you have favor. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. Joseph's doing. Whatever he said. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Don't limit him. Don't look at it and say, well, this is is just too big. You know, you've heard my story of when God called me, I had this discussion with him and informed him that he had made a really big blunder, that this could not possibly be done. Problem was, he knew better. The same thing is true in each and every one of our lives. Listen to this from Genesis 39, 22, only out of the Amplified. And it says, the warden of the prison committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison, and <clears throat> whatsoever was done there, he is in charge of it. Why? Because he had God's mercy, and had God's grace. You know, everybody talks about Job and all the difficulties that he went through, and he went through some difficulties, but it wasn't God that did it to it, it was the enemy that was out to destroy him. <clears throat> but listen to this out of Job, Job the 22nd chapter in the 29th verse, it says, <clears throat> when they cast you down and you say Exaltation will come, then you will save the humble person. You know, Job was saved because he is humble. You and I are going to walk in the fullness of what God has for us because we're humble and, you know, humility, meekness isn't weakness. There's a strength in it. There's a strength in recognizing that it's not about me, it's about God and what he wants to do in our life. And when we'll humble ourselves, it gives him the opportunity then to exalt us. And he will. He will. I don't know about you, but so often I want to, I want to defend myself. I want to, I want to straighten things out when I feel like things are being presented wrongly. Especially about me. <clears throat> But I realize that if I'm doing that, then it's going to be according to my level, my ability to accomplish that. But I found out something. God's a much better vindicator than I am. And that he'll bring out truth. And if I'll humble myself and not be so concerned about my image concerning everybody else, what they're going to think, God then, in due season, is going to be able to elevate me. God wants to remove from each and every one of us that that shame, that guilt, that pain that wants to hold us back. And why why does that affect us so? Because it's our image. It's who I am. What are people going to think? Comes back to that That fear of man. But you know Jesus he took care of it. Let's turn to John the fourth chapter. And in in John the fourth chapter we have the, the, the story about the Samaritan woman at the well. And how Jesus was traveling and he stopped there with his disciples and I just, I want us to see this whole story, and I want to hear it according to his account, not how I interpret it. And so I want to read it, and it begins in John the fourth chapter in the third verse, and it says, and He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. You know what? It was out of his way to go through Samaria. And so that means he didn't show up there by chance. God doesn't show up in your life by chance. In fact, if I can use this terminology, which really is just preaching, he'll go out of his way to get to you. And he says, so he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground where Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. And his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. When the woman from Samaria, then the woman from Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And so they, they would not even, you know, they were, a, they were a lower class. They wouldn't have anything to do with them at all. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it was saying to you, give me a drink, you would, have asked, <clears throat> you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you, <clears throat> you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as the sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will come to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. See, what she's saying is twofold. This is very telling. Number one, she didn't want to have to be thirsty, but there was a reason why she didn't want to be thirsty. She didn't want to have to go to the well again. And she didn't want to go to the well again, not just simply because of the distance, but because of the shame, because of the guilt that was imposed imposed upon her because of what Jesus is about to say to her. And so Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you... Well said, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you have spoken truly. Isn't it interesting how Jesus can always find something positive, say? In this you've spoken truly. But this is what I want you to understand. Situations t- change, circumstances change, <clears throat> but people don't change. Without the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, people don't, they don't really change. So can you imagine this poor woman coming to the well every day because she wasn't there when everybody else was. She went, to a, she went there in an hour in the heat of the day, When nobody else would go to the well because it's too hot at this time. Why would she do that? Because she didn't want the ridicule. She didn't want the looks. She didn't want the words under everybody's voice. Oh, there she is. Oh, Jezebel. She's out on the loose. You better catch a hold of your husband and keep him safe. There she goes again just hear the things that were said the looks that she would receive in an interesting jesus went out of his way to reach out to one woman so that she could be relieved of the shame the guilt the sneers that were imposed upon her that's the jesus that we serve And that's why Jesus came. Thank God he came to forgive our sin. Amen? Amen. But he didn't just simply come to forgive our sin. He came to relieve us of the shame, of the guilt, of whatever it may be that you and I, you know, I don't know what your past is. You really don't know mine. I don't want to know your past. And I ain't going to tell you mine. Why? Because your past is none of my business and my past is none of your business. And the reason it's none of our business is because Jesus took care of it. If you if you've been born again, Jesus is not so concerned about your past. Everybody else is, but Jesus isn't. And what Jesus is concerned about is your future. Because once he brought up her past, that was the end of it. Because isn't it an interesting thing? We'll read on here in just a minute. It's really hard not to just get the cart before the horse because it's just so exciting. (laughs) Then here this woman, that he just revealed his past, and he promotes her. The woman said to her, said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you, Jews, say, in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on these mountains nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is to the Jews. But the hour is coming and now, now is when the true worshiper So he's saying to this Samaritan woman you can be a true worshiper. For the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is Spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is come, is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point his disciples came and they marveled. Marveled that he was talking with a woman, with the woman. Yet no one said, "What are, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her?" And the woman then left the water pot. Anyway, she went back to the village. Now this woman, who we just found out, had been married five times and was now living with a man, and Jesus revealed this to her and revealed himself to her. And so this woman goes to to the town and she starts to share that, I've encountered the Messiah, I think. And they go out with her. And at one point, I'm not going to read it all, you can read it all for yourself. At one point, after they've heard Jesus, they said, we no longer believe because of your words, but we believe because of his words. This woman that was looked down upon, that was sneered at, that everybody gossiped about. Jesus, because no one else could have done it. Jesus promoted her to the position that the whole village followed her out into where the, the wilderness, where the well was, and experienced Jesus. We look at ourselves and we say, well, you know, I'm not capable of it. No, you're not, but Jesus can promote you. I don't know what I would ever say. I'm sure she was in the boat, in the same boat, you know. know. What would she say before this? Well, you know, I'm... Jesus gave her something to say because of the revelation that he gave her. He promoted her. And that's what Jesus wants to do in each and every one of our lives. He took her from being a woman that everybody looked down upon and sneered at and gossiped about. He promoted her and raised her up to a woman that everybody followed her. And they encountered Jesus. See, Jesus wants to break your yoke of burden. Whatever it is that holds you down, that keeps you back that keeps you from moving forward. He wants to lift that burden off of you so that you can experience the fullness of what Jesus has done for you. In Ephesians 2, 6, it says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has raised us up that we might be able to sit with him in heavenly places. One of the old-time preachers you don't hear anything about anymore. I I think everybody's afraid to quote him. But Watchman Mani. He was in the 40s a teacher in in China. Had great revelation of the things of God. But he made this statement. He said... You and I, right now, positionally. So this is how we need to see ourselves right now. Positionally, right now, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Experientially, we're not there yet. But there will be a day when there's the rapture. When we're all caught up and we will sit with Jesus Christ in the physical, heavenly places. But you know what? It's not waiting till then. Spiritually speaking, right now, you and I are having intimate fellowship with Jesus because we're seated with Him right now, positionally, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that means we have open communication with him right now. It means right now he wants to promote us to that position that he longs for us. He wants us to be walking in. But you know a lot of us we're kind of like David. King David who, the man who ended up being probably one of them well he He's referred to as the greatest king ever. Solomon was wealthiest, <clears throat> but that was because of the seed that was planted in David. Amen? I'm thinking back to the offering. So Solomon was the richest, but David is considered the greatest king ever. And we know Saul, you know, Saul messed up. And so God says, you know, <clears throat> dude, I'm sorry I ever made you king. <laughs> and so what did he do? He says, I'm going to appoint another. I'm going to appoint somebody in your place that is, is going to be faithful. You lose your place. Boy, well, you're out of it. And so he, he spoke to Solomon, the prophet of the day. And said I want you to anoint a king. And I, I, so I want you to go to the um, house of, uh, what was David's father's name? Was it, was it Jesse? Yeah. And so I, I want you to go to the house of Jesse. And one of his boys were going to anoint him king. And so uh, Solomon goes to the house of, of Jesse and Um, wants to see his sons. Wants him to bring his sons out. And so in in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, I want to start in the 6th verse because we don't want to read the whole thing. And it says, So it was that they came, that he looked at uh, Eliab. If I don't get the names right, just forgive me in the name of Jesus and move on. And, uh, you know, good looking dude. And he says, surely the Lord's anointing is before him. And this is, this is the son. And uh, um, Solomon, and, and so Solomon, uh, it says, and the Lord said to Solomon, do, no, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because he is obviously a Good-looking guy, because I have refused him. <laughs> for the Lord does not see as man sees; for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so Jesse called Abiabed Abidu and made him pass before Solomon, and he uh, said, "Neither has the Lord chosen this one." And then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Solomon. And Solomon said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Solomon said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And he said, "Mm, there remains yet the youngest And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord says, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Now, Now I don't know about you, My son, my dad had eight kids, and I was the eighth one. And somebody wanted to be introduced to all of his sons. And he called the seven in and just left me out with the sheep. I'd feel a little bit rejected. I would feel like maybe they don't care so much about me. That was David's start. What happened? This little, ruddy shepherd boy who the family thought had no potential for anything other than keeping track of a few sheep because if you remember when he took bread and cheese to his brothers when they were on the battlefield and Goliath was out there and Goliath is mocking the armies of Israel and David says, why doesn't anybody do anything about this? And his brother, older brother looks at him and says what are you doing here anyway? Why aren't you back there with those few sheep that you're supposed to take care of? That was his start. But guess what? God saw something in him. God saw something in him. God promoted him. And he became king. And like I said, it's considered one of the great kings. It's not the greatest king. Explain <clears throat> expanded influence. This, this is what God's promotion will do. Gives you expanded influence and increased responsibility because God trusts you. You know, I, I heard, first time I ever heard this, it was Norval Hayes that made this statement and when I first heard it, I thought, hmm, I don't know if that's biblically correct because I don't know of a chapter and verse that applies to it. But Norval Hayes, he made this statement. He says, you know, you can trust God. But can God trust you? And at the time I heard that, I thought, well, I don't, I don't see where that's biblical. Well, it's right here. Can God trust us? Why, why, does, he, why does he promote us? It, is, it isn't promotion because of Our ability oftentimes is because God can trust us. It's because he knows that he's going to take what he's imparted into our lives and we're going to use it for his purpose, for his glory. Psalms 40, verse 2, it says, He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the mire, the clay, and set my feet upon the rock. And he established my feet established my steps that's what god wants to do he wants to establish our steps psalms 22 verse 7 through 9 it says lift up your heads O you gates and be lifted up you everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in who is the king of glory the lord strong and mighty the lord mighty in battle Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, for the King of glory has come in. He doesn't want us going backwards. He wants us looking up. Guess what? You're not going to see Him unless you're looking up. If you're looking down like this, this is how you're living your life. All you're going to see is the next step that you're going to take. You're not going to see what's before you. You're not really going to see where he wants to take you. So it's time for us to lift up our heads and see the king of glory and recognize that I'm a vessel that he wants to use for his glory. It isn't about me elevating and exalting myself so that I can receive the glory, so that he can receive the glory. It's time for us to humble ourselves and stop having all the focus upon me It's all right for you to have the focus on Emma today. Because she's going to elevate him. You know, I know this is really foreign for you to hear this out of my mouth. But sometimes I just want to cry. You know, and I think of Emma graduating, sometimes I just want to cry. But what really makes me want to cry is when somebody comes up to me and they say, you know, that granddaughter of yours, she is so beautiful. But she's more beautiful on the inside. That's why the outward appearance, that isn't what gets us over. It's what's on the inside. It's what Jesus has done in our lives. It's what he wants to do in each of our lives. God can promote us when nobody else can or will. Our promotion comes from him. Psalm 74 or 75 Verses 5-7 to it says Do not lift up your horn on high Do not speak with a stiff neck For exaltation comes neither from the east Nor from the west Nor from the south But God is judge He puts down one and he exalts the other we got to put down the pride. What? You know, did, did you notice it doesn't say north? Because if you're looking at a map, generally north is up. And so, which direction are you looking? Are you looking to the east or the west or the south? Or are you looking to the north? Are you looking to him? Are you putting your trust? Are you putting your confidence in him? Because he wants to work in each of our lives. Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able, and this is a scripture I made reference to earlier. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. One translation says, Imagination. So much more than what we can ever imagine. I can think big. I can imagine big. But you know what? God's imagination is bigger than that. You know, we focused on Blessman this morning as, as the missionary that we're focusing on this month. He was a, he is a doctor. Went on some mission trips and so forth and Had a dream, had a desire in his heart to do something for the kingdom of God. And so as in in his retirement, he went to work. And he's been promoted. I don't know, maybe in himself it was that big. Barb would know better than I, but I can't imagine that Dr. Blessman when he started Blessman Ministries International, had any dream, any imagination, that the ministry would be doing what it's doing today. God promoted him. He meets with people I think he probably would have never thought he would be meeting with. God promoted him. And another ministry that we support is Will Go Ministries. Larry and Gene Johnson. They were farmers up around the Fort Dodge area until they lost their farm. Then they had a can business. Can Redemption. Went on some mission trips. Went down to Victory down in Tulsa. And now... They're all over the place. They just do what God tells them to do. And God blesses them, and God prospers them, and God promotes them. Those are two individuals, but you know what? They're not unique. God wants to promote each and every one of us In this room, if we'll put our trust, if we'll put our confidence in him, he will take us to places that we would have never imagined being. He'll use us for his glory, for his purpose. Psalms 3.3, it says, But you, O Lord, are a shield to me, my glory, the one who lifts my head. He wants to lift you up. He wants to exalt you. He wants to take you to those places where you've never been, or you would have never imagined being. In Isaiah, six, in Isaiah 60, verse 1, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I got to read that out of the Amplified. It says, Arise for the uh, depression and prostration prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise, rise to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It's not talking about somebody else. It's talking about you. It's talking about you. Clayton, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Above what you could ever think, dream, or imagine. It's upon you. It doesn't matter the circumstances. God's got so much more for you and your household, for your family. The devil's a liar. He has no authority in your life. You're above it and not beneath it. Glory to God. Well, I, I done preached myself happy. He's so wonderful. Don't limit yourself to this natural realm. It's what we do. We limit. We limit to what we think. He's so much bigger than what we could think, dream, or imagine. The enemy wants to keep us in this natural realm. Because in this natural realm, we will never fulfill the potential that's truly there. We serve a big... A mighty God. I'm not really done, but I need to quit. So let me read one more passage. James the fourth chapter, the ninth verse it says, "Lament, lament, lam- how do you say that? Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your do- joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord." And he'll lift you up. He'll lift you up. I lied. I gotta gotta share this with you. There's some reasons why promotion doesn't come. Number one, we don't take the initiative. When God speaks to us, we don't act. With Abraham, God spoke to Abraham and he said, leave your family, go here. He had to do it. And what happened? Promotion came. He went from Abram to Abraham. We think too low, number two. We think too low. And the reason we think too low is we look at ourselves. We allow that to be a limitation. You know, I forget... You know, I, I do the statistic at one time, but I've forgotten how many, um, how, how many, uh, what, what's the word that I'm looking for? How many inventive or uh, creative ideas we have every single day? I mean, it's, it's like a humongous number. But we don't act upon it. Why? Because I thought it. I mean, just just think of if if somebody had told you to take a rock, paint it, put it in a box, and sell it. It's too late now, it's already been done. But the pet rock thing? Stupidest thing that I ever heard of. (laughs) But the guy made a fortune. You may hear something, and it sounds like the stupidest thing you ever heard in your life. But you know what? If it's God, and what do we talk about? We know the voice of God. So you know his voice. Think too lowly. Because we think we can't have those thoughts. Yes, we can. We think, this is a hard one. Almost sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. We think we deserve it. We think we deserve it. You know what? I don't want what I deserve. I want what he wants in my life because he'll promote it. So oftentimes we we miss it because of of pride. We think we deserve it. We think we're entitled to it. You know, what? we're not entitled to anything. If you're a second Arab, that's about the only thing you're entitled to have. The rest of it we receive through the glory of God. And then the final thing, we don't accept feedback. We won't hear. Because oftentimes, God wants to speak into our lives through somebody else. But we're not willing to listen. We're not willing to hear. Promotion for each and every one of us. Today, for the graduates, you're going to be promoted. But guess what? Every one of us today is a graduate. Yes. Promotion. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm pretty... Well, good. it's not too late then. Good a time as any. Let's trust Him. Put our confidence in Him. Amen. Amen? Father, we thank You this morning for Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We thank You that You're such a good God that you want so much more for us than what we even want for ourselves. Father, I just pray that each and every one of us, we might humble ourselves in your presence and allow you to speak to us and allow you to elevate us, exalt us, to lift us up so that your kingdom might be furthered. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your goodness and your love. In the mighty name of Jesus. And so as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And uh, uh, to all our veterans, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for your service. Yes. Be blessed. May tomorrow be a true blessing and be reminded of how much you're loved.